Hello, and welcome to The Burning Issue. My name is Luke Walsh, and I'm the editor of the website EndsWasteAndBioEnergy.com. In this podcast, I'm looking at how the waste sector has successfully moved waste out of landfill and into energy from waste plants, and where does it go from here? I've been speaking to some of the leaders in the EFW field to get their views, and as businesses in the sector go, they don't come much bigger than Indiva. Indiva is one of the leaders in developing EFW plants across Europe. In total, it is operational in nine countries, but despite having long been established in Ireland, it wasn't until about five years ago it made the leap into the UK. So at a time when a lot of others were not so keen on investment in the UK, as Brexit and later Covid struck, Indiva went in on a number of projects. Fast forward to today, and the company currently has one EFW in hot commissioning in Scotland, one in construction in England and another in the planning process in Northern Ireland, as well as plans for a further facility in the Republic, where it already has one plant operational currently. This expansion was led by Endeavour Business and Development Director for the UK and Ireland, John O'Hearn. John is, in my opinion, one of the waste sector's real characters, and while Indiva has had several issues to push through with its UK-based projects, he's always been up for the challenge. So let's hear what he has to say. Hello, John. Thank you very much for joining me today. You're very welcome, Luke. Indiva, in case anyone doesn't know, is a massive player in the European waste market. Can you tell me a bit more about your role with the company? So I've been with Indiver um, nearly 30 years. Most of that time was um, developing the business in Ireland. During that time, we built a hazardous waste transfer station, a solvent blending plant and Ireland's first waste to energy plant. Five years ago, I was asked by the Indiver group to develop a business in Great Britain. And this seemed logical as we were already in Northern Ireland and we wanted to develop in here. So my current role, and I live in the UK, is as business development director and commercial director. And my primary focus is the Rivenhall project in Essex in relation to planning permissions, waste contracts, and to further develop opportunities on the Rivenhall site. We'll come on to Rivenhall in a minute, but you mentioned you've been in for nearly 30 years. What do you think's changed in the waste market over that time? There's a broad question, I know, but <laughs> if there's some things you can say. No, some things have changed, Luke, and some things haven't. There has been progressive move away from landfill following the 1995 landfill directive, and, and that's been a good thing. I suppose a change that very few of us saw coming was the export of waste from one country to another by road and by ship. That took us all by surprise. The one thing that hasn't changed is 30 years ago when, when I started talking about building waste to energy plants in the UK, we were told there'd be no waste available in five or 10 years. We were told we were going to sterilize the local environment. What's surprising is that that debate continues exactly the same. Yeah. Nothing has changed there. And it's a pity after 30 years that um, society just hasn't moved on, but so be it. It's interesting you mention that because talking about moving on, you are almost there with your first UK located facility, the Nest plant in Scotland. It's going to be your first operational one in mainland UK. Can you tell us about how it's going? And it's almost there, isn't it? It's almost there. We had some delay because of coronavirus, but it's currently in commissioning and by the end of the year, we expect to be fully operational. So it's going well. The Nest facility flew through planning process compared with your other mainland UK project, the Rivenhall site that you mentioned earlier. HDI started last year construction on the site and it's due to open in 2026 as things stand. Can you tell us a bit more about how it's going? It's going rather well. We've been blessed with the weather. In 2021 in particular, when we were moving a lot of soil, we had a very dry year. So it's off to a good start, driven by the weather. We've had a few little delays here and there, but nothing substantial. So we still hope to take first waste in the end of 2025, but certainly by the first quarter of 2026 to be operational. 
you mentioned the waste there. I remember you had a great event when some of the construction started last year and you said the plant was almost full. Is there anything else you can say about <laughs> contracts at the moment? <laughs> <laughs> I think I may have been saying to my audience and saying, if you didn't get in quick, there'd be none left. We have signed up some contracts. We've signed up what we wanted to in terms of capacity, but the plant is built from municipal waste. So local authority tenders that are active at the moment are our primary interest for the balance of the waste. There is enough waste in the east of England and the southeast generally, so we're not concerned. Yeah, the customers might be different than we originally planned, but so be it. But there's enough waste here to fill our plant a few times over. Because it wasn't hard enough getting Rimfall through the planning process in the first place, you're going back in to the planning inspectorate later this year. Can you give some details about why you're doing this? Partly because of the, the move on in technology, but also the boiler that we've acquired and the turbine that we're putting in is capable of generating more than the 49.9 megawatts that is currently consented. So we believe at the moment it, it's a perfect time to generate more electricity from the same amount of waste. We're not looking to increase the waste too, but we can just, because of improved efficiencies, etc., we can generate more electricity and we hope to be successful because of the need for homegrown electricity. It makes sense to talk about more electricity. Power prices are up at the moment. Inverurian Ireland has says it's made more money from the power prices. Do you see this as a continuing trend? It was hard not to make more money at the moment. Yes, it was very <laughs> much driven by high prices. Whether the market should be structured like that, I'm not so sure. I think the, the whole market structure needs reform. But yes, it was increase in profits driven by electricity. But I don't think the current system is sustainable. So the sooner we get back to some level of normality, the better. We'd probably never go back to where we were pre the invasion by Russia of Ukraine, but where we are today is not good. At Rivenhall, Indiver has previously said the consented biogas producing element is not financially viable due to local competition. But we've talked about the rising energy prices there and there's renewed interest in the biogas sector. Has that changed at all? Yes. Look, biogas is something we as a group are definitely interested in and we'd love to build a facility. We have planning permission for it. Unfortunately, the practice by local authorities is not kept up with government policy. So we're watching that space carefully. We'd love to build it, but unless all local authorities start collecting food waste separately, we don't see a market opportunity. But it's one we would definitely like to do. We do it in a number of our other countries, in Holland and in Belgium in particular. So it's something that we believe we have an expertise in. But the market conditions have to be right. I think a few other people have said the same thing. They've got biogas plants ready to go and they just want legislation for separate food waste collection so I don't blame you there. Still talking about the planning system, in Northern Ireland you've certainly had a bit of a headache with the Hightown Quarry EFW plant. Indiver leads the Beacon Consortium and well obviously this podcast is only 20 minutes long so we can't go into the entire history of it but you're back in court later this year. What can you say about that project at the moment? We're still hopeful. We're in court because we believe the decision made by the minister was politically motivated and irrational in legal terms. We believe that that can be overturned and we can get back to normality. And Northern Ireland's a great place to do business. We really like it up there, but it can be difficult politically, as you know. So it's not for the faint-hearted, that's for sure, but we're still committed to building it because there is a need. And as long as there is a need, you'll find Indiver involved. Do you see... 
the political situation in Northern Ireland calming down in the foreseeable future? No. I've been 30 years in the business and it has never calmed down. It's unfortunate. It is a great place. It's a friendly place. Belfast is a great city. But they are plagued by an, an uncertain political future. But it's better than it was 25 years ago when there was shootings and bombings and everything else. So it's, it's much improved. Talking about the Republic now, you've had planning issues with another plant you're developing, the Ringer Skiddy. Now, apologies if I haven't pronounced that properly. You've been engaging with Ireland's planning authorities on getting the plant reconsented. That's been in and out of the court system as too. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, it's again, it's driven by need. There's nothing to deal with residual waste in the southern part of Ireland. The whole of Munster and has a need. Uh, we've had a positive decision before. It was overturned by the courts. But we expect very shortly to get a request for additional information. And that we're hopeful that Board Planola will make the same decision. So there's definitely a need. Fortunately, the legal system and the planning systems sometimes get in each other's way. We're hopeful that we'll get successfully there eventually. You mentioned waste exports at the start of this talk, and Ireland is obviously sending some of its waste to the UK. That's not the most sustainable way to deal with it, though, is it? We're sending it further afield, Luke. We're sending it to Sweden and Norway and Denmark and Germany and anywhere that'll have it. And no, it's not sustainable. It's just not the way to do things. So we, we believe sense will prevail in the end and we'll get through the planning system because there's a need. Based on your experiences, do you think the planning system in the UK in particular needs reforming? No, that might seem strange. Again, a long time in the business and I've seen reforms, but reforms bring in new legislation. The new legislation often gets challenged in the courts. There can be many court cases or judicial reviews before the system settles down again. But whilst it sounds like a quick fix, it's not always. I'd prefer if the existing system was well-resourced and that statutory or timelines were placed so that decisions were made quickly. The biggest problem with planning system is something that takes you 10 years and you don't get an answer and you've spent a lot of money. You know, an answer within two or three years should be the norm, I think. So I'd keep it as it is. We mentioned the political situation in Northern Ireland and obviously the UK as a whole has had a tumultuous political time at the moment. You're obviously going through the DCO process with Rivenhall in the near future. Do you find the changing Secretary of State is a confusing thing for business? We operate in many countries and the UK would be uh, one of the good ones. That might surprise some of your listeners. Yes, of course, politics can be entertaining sometimes, but unfortunate. But no, it wouldn't put us off the system here. There's much worse to be um, enjoyed elsewhere. If the UK is one of the better ones, where do you rate Ireland? Is that is that one of the better ones too? Absolutely. <laughs> For instance, uh, you know, it, it was unusual, but the first plant that we built in Ireland, we got planning permission in five months from a local authority for the first waste to energy plant. But it then took three years to get through the courts. So Ireland and the UK, there's not a big difference between the two. The planning systems are different, but actually the timelines and the complications are very similar. You know, a court case in London can have an impact on a decision in Ireland and and vice versa. So the courts look to each other. Not a big difference between the two. That makes sense. We talked about your plant there in Meath, which is operational in the Republic. In the next few years, you could have up to five operational EFW plants in the UK and Ireland. So are you looking to build any more projects? Well, we have to get through the five first. Uh, (laughs) One, two, three is kind of nearly there. We have two in the planning system, but we'd be hopeful of getting the five or... The UK is nearing maturity. I think there's part of the UK already that um, there's too much capacity. 
we hope it doesn't end up like Holland and hopefully it won't. There is still a need for more capacity to come on stream, but we hope that too much doesn't come on. It is hard to find a place at the moment that you would invest in, but things change, so who knows. I wouldn't say actively looking, more passively. We did our initial research. We're now just maintaining the research. But I think we're nearly there in the UK. You've always developed your own projects pretty much from the ground up. But uh, your rival business, Viridor, has gone heavily into the acquisitions market recently. Is that something you could see? We've done acquisitions in the past, but you don't tend to get value. You you know, particularly at the moment, you pay full price for acquisitions. And, you know, acquisitions don't always fulfill the <laughs> objectives um, set out. So, no, we would still be somebody who would prefer to develop our own facilities. Not necessarily from Greenfield, I think there's enough projects in the UK where something that has planning or nearly has planning would be of interest to us. But the geography of where that plant is, is becoming challenging. Talking about the geography, obviously there's moratoriums that have come in in Scotland and Wales. You've, you've already got your plant through in Scotland, but how does Indiva feel about the moratorium situation? Is that the way forward? Yes, provided it's done right. So Scotland, definitely enough projects in the system, if they're all built, maybe even too many. I think it was the right decision in Scotland. Wales, less sure. North Wales perhaps is okay. South Wales, I think there is still some capacity. And, you know, shortly after the Welsh moratorium, they announced uh, they were sending waste from Swansea to Buckinghamshire or somewhere. I think. Rookery uh, South, yeah. To Rookery. Governments do have to regulate. I think if you just leave it up to the market to decide when there's enough is enough, probably not the way to go. Markets can be irrational longer than you can stay solvent. You know, waste to energy, 25% of the municipal waste capacity or something. And I think there is a role for government at some point to step in. But they can do that through the planning system or whatever. Talking about the government again there, on the policy side, the UK's brought in the controversial electricity generator levy and it's lowered potential profits from EFW plants. Are you worried by the levy or other potential policies on the horizon in the UK? No, I think it was probably right. I mentioned earlier that the electrical system, you know, where companies like ourselves and others make more money because the price of gas goes up. So I think the government, the level that the government stepped in, in was, was okay. We've got the same system right throughout Europe when in other projects we're involved in. So I, I think that exceptional tax or windfall tax or whatever it's called probably made sense and that that money would be redistributed to, to people who are struggling to pay their electricity bills. So we'd have no problem with that. I suppose that's the way it should work, shouldn't it? Are there any other policies that you look at and think, oh, no, that's not helpful? No, provided it's done proportionately and in a sensible way. So, you know, we'd be huge respecters of the waste hierarchy. Waste energy uh, with energy recovery is better than landfill. But there has to be continuous drivers to move everything up the hierarchy to maybe unlikely, but one day eliminated. I think things like the ETS and others, provided it's done sensibly and enough notice is given and all the rest of it, to move waste to energy into, say, carbon capture and, and heat offtake, they're proper drivers. And we in the industry did a great job. We reduced the carbon footprint in the UK by 70%. You know, everybody, not just Indiver, but everybody throughout Europe. But it's time now to move on again, I suspect. And I think the, the regulators see that. 
Waste energy has to now be more than better than landfill. It needs to be better than what it used to be. It's interesting you should mention carbon capture because everyone in EFW is linked with some sort of version of the technology. But I've not heard much about what you're doing. Can you say if you're involved in any projects? Yes, we are. You hear about our planning challenges and uh, waste contracts and we're new and we started building. Um, yes, we absolutely, both in the UK and in, other, in all, nearly all countries, are working on carbon capture. It absolutely has to happen. We need to move waste to energy higher up the hierarchy and uh, heat networks also. Um, we have heat networks in, in other European countries and we'd like to have it here in Essex as well. Rivenhall's consented to have some sort of district heat network and you're developing one with the Nest plant, but there's been a lack of public acceptance about them in the past. Do you think that's changing? I think government policy is definitely changing and, and they're pushing it along. It will need policy drivers. Yeah, people would love to have their own switch and their own dial and they're concerned about, well, what happens if the, the other guy's system doesn't work? So, But things like saying no gas boilers from 20, whatever it was, 2025 or 30, uh, and you must have a heat pump and other government initiatives. I think the UK has done super work in the last 18 months or two years in promoting district heating. So I... I believe and hope they would be successful. I just want to circle back slightly to the carbon capture thing. Are there any updates you can give about a timeline for potentially bringing it into any of your plants? I know that the cost is the thing. The government said that there's, what's it, £20 billion of extra funding available for EFW plants are included. Yes, the technology is emerging and it's getting better. But for instance, one of the challenges that needs to be overcome is the amount of energy used to capture the carbon almost takes up most of the energy that the plant has produced. It's energy intensive. Now, that would be okay because waste to energy still has a role. Our primary objective is to manage waste, not to generate energy. So we don't have a huge problem with that. But I, I can tell you we're actively working on a few projects. Sounds like it's going to be interesting times. Always. <laughs> <laughs> and the final question, obviously, I'm asking everyone that's on the burning issue, is what's the question I should have asked you and how would you have answered it? Oh, well, I can't tell you the one you should have asked me, really. But did we make the right decision five years ago to look at the UK? Answer is yes. What we found here is there is a need for the kind of technologies that we can uh, provide. And Endeavour loves to be places where there's a need because that's what should drive uh, the business. Um, so if the question is, did we make the right decision five years ago? The answer is yes. You sure you can't tell me what the other question should have been? Would I do it all over again after 30 years? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Hey, brilliant. Well, I mean, perhaps arguably, Indivis should have come to the UK earlier. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure why we didn't. You know, the group kind of skipped over the UK and came to Ireland. One of the reasons was we... We have a very large hazardous waste business and we deal with a lot with pharmaceutical companies and there was a huge concentration in Ireland. So, you know, we, we follow the customer, as we call it. So we, we started there and then kind of once we got a bit established there, we looked back over our shoulder and sent guys like me over here to to see what we could do. But there was no fundamental reason why the UK was skipped over. It's a good place to invest. In the next few years, with all the plants coming online, it should be good times for you. We think so. There is there is still a need. Um, there's still millions of tonnes uh, landfilled and exported. So um, any plants that get built in the next five years will be full. John, thank you very much for your time today. My pleasure, Luke. Take care. All that's left for me to say is this has been The Burning Issue. My name's Luke Walsh. Thank you very much for listening. 
If you would like to learn more about energy recovery, go to our website, endswasteandbioenergy.com, where you can sign up for our free newsletters or even take out a subscription if you want to. Thanks again for listening. And just to let you know, The Burning Issue has new episodes available every fortnight that can be downloaded from the usual places.